Welcome to episode 203 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode of the podcast, we discuss Boyd Cordner retiring, the NRLW expansion, a look back at rugby league before the Queen, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 203 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Well, Dr. T, um, I am uh, once again disappointed that uh, seven (laughs) times in a row the Tigers have uh, once again lost to Parramatta. It always seems when we have a crucial game, we're always up against Parramatta, isn't it? But uh, I'm sure you're happy there, Dr. T. You know, you guys are back in form and, uh, yeah. But, look, uh, yeah, but look, uh, other than that, I've got to say the world of rugby league, things are, things are moving, you know. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's been an interesting round, the rugby league, an interesting origin and, you know, new signings, players crying. It's, it's all happening here in rugby league and, uh, I'm sure we're going to have a big show, but then I'm doing well overall. How are you doing there, Dr. T? Oh, look, you know, if we're just talking Eels, uh, obviously I'm very happy that the Eels beat the Tigers. They did it quite convincingly as well. Mm. Uh, you know, look, let's let's just say that they uh, they really they really showed the Tigers that they need to get some new outside backs because uh, we <laughs> we just we just carved you up on your right side defence there. Wow. Um, Ironically, Jimmy the Jet has become Jimmy the Turtle, I think. <laughs> he was a little bit. He was a little bit. <laughs> there was a couple of occasions I thought, gee, that bloke's slow to turn around. Then I realised who it was. Uh, I, thought, I had to do one of those double takes, uh, you know, that Jim Carrey <laughs> does in the movies. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you just sort of go, what? What was that? Anyway, that was very unusual. Very unusual. But, um, look, this probably has uh, something to do with the, the Tigers, uh, the way they – I don't know. what What's going on this year with the Tigers? Mm. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, – look, very happy uh, overall. Um some entertaining football on the weekend, for sure, and some shock, uh, you know, shock games, shock results as well to, to go through. So, look, without any further ado, uh, well, shall we get into the six tackles? Well, yeah, let's get into it. Let's do it. All right, so, look. News update, first of all. Um, we've got quite a few things happening. So the biggest news uh, is that Australian captain Boyd Cordner has confirmed he has retired, uh, medically retired due to all the concussions he's been receiving. And I think uh, I think we all saw this coming. And unfortunately, uh, it's a sad state of affairs. I can't remember the last time... Uh, such a big name, a big, uh, you know, in captain of, of the Kangaroos had to basically cut his career short. He's only, how old is he, 29 or something? Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, arguably, you know, in in the prime of his life in terms of his uh, rugby league career, has done it all. He's won premierships and, you know, World Cups and all that kind of stuff. So he's uh, he's done a lot, but he could have achieved so much more and very, very sad state of affairs. And, and certainly it brings to a head the, um, the discussions that have been going on recently with regards to concussion and the after effects of, of uh, the, you know, the, the constant uh, barrage of hits that you get as you play this game at highest level. Um, but Tish, so yeah, what are, you, what are your thoughts about Boyd Cordner retiring? Well, look, it is very sad to see, particularly somebody who played rugby league at the highest level with the highest honours, uh, playing in the forwards, like one of the toughest positions to play, um, having to write, uh, retire at the age of 29, I mean, that's, uh, you know, this is a gymnastics level, right, like of retirement age, you know, here. Um, so it is sad to see. It is an elite sport. It's a sport, you know, I heard Trent Robertson actually say this, um, you know, not too long ago. You know, part of the appeal of rugby league is that we're watching a game played by, um, you know, individuals that, uh, you know, who have made their body work for rugby league. And it's something that the, the ordinary human cannot play sort of thing um, just because of the, the, the conditioning, the, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, the skills that needed, it, you know, it's not, uh, and it's a very special thing that rugby league players do. And, uh, and, I, and I think this kind of shows it, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the you know, the uh, constant, uh, head trauma is is causing issues, and uh, you know it's kind of funny as well because probably in another era he'd still be playing on. Um, I mean the game has gotten more brutal, but I, but I, but I just wonder, uh, you know, all these players that are in their forties, fifties, sixties, and so forth who retired much later and and had a few more knocks than what Head Boyd has done. You know, I wonder, I wonder what they're thinking at the moment, and I wonder if they're sort of supporting the early retirement or whether they they think. Some of this is premature. But, look, putting all that aside, I've got to say, Boyd Corner, he's had a great career. He's been a great captain for New South Wales. Um, yeah, he's won three series uh, and two of them as captain. So, you know, he's certainly, uh, you know, helped New South Wales a lot. Um, you know, he's he's played for Australia. He's won premierships for the Roosters. And, and it, you know, he's going to be a big um, – he's going to be a big omission from, from uh, not just their team next year but also from their salary cap. Uh, which is uh, <laughs> yeah. he'd be the third medically retired player from the Roosters this year, um, with one of the twins and Jake Friend. So uh, that's also pretty interesting as well. How it's all happening at the Roosters and doesn't seem to happen at any other club as well. All these medical retirements due to concussion at the moment. So either the Roosters are leading the way, which I think they are, uh, but I think it also uh, I don't know if it's a hundred percent the worst thing for them moving forward as a franchise as well. That's mm. another part of it. But anyway, conspiracy, <laughs> conspiracy theories later. Um, well done, Boyd Corner, on a great career. And, uh, yeah, uh, you know, he's doing this for his family. And and let's hope that, um, yeah, that's, let's hope he's retired and, and and he doesn't see any of these issues related to concussion injury uh, in his future years. Absolutely. All right, the next uh, big news item, I guess, uh, look, you know, over here, all over in the Commonwealth, in fact, we've been celebrating the Queen's birthday, Mm. and I believe we have, uh, there's news of 
a very big name in rugby league over there in the UK, having been awarded a, a quite a big honour. Uh, Tish, what's the news? Yes, well, look, on the Queen's birthday, um, you know, certain people are, uh, you know, given an OBE award, um, which, uh, which you know, is uh, on the, the Queen's birthday honour list. Uh, and in Australia, we, we um, you know, we gave one to a man playing Thor. Uh, but over in England, um, you know, lead Rhinos director of rugby, Kevin Sidfield, um, who's a former uh, former Super League player, and I think he even played for England himself. He has been awarded for an OBE for his fundraising efforts in the aid of murder neuron disease. So Sidfield, at the age of 40, ran seven marathons in seven days to raise funds for a former teammate, Rob Burrow, who was diagnosed with the condition in 2019. Um Having initially hoped for, I love this figure, seventy-seven thousand seven hundred seventy-seven pounds. Uh, I believe Sinfield was a halfback. Civil uh, Sinfield went on to generate over two point two million pounds to support the borough uh, over his, you know, living condition. So well done to Kevin Sinfield. Not only uh, are we seeing uh, great things done by rugby league in Australia, but also by by Kevin over in England. Um, yeah, Dr. T, have you ever tried to run seven marathons in seven days? Uh, no. Uh, no, probably couldn't <laughs> Probably couldn't do it in seven, in seven months. But, look, uh, well done. I'm very, very proud of Kevin Sinfield. He's done so much since the TV show. Um, mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, really awesome. No, it was just a terrible <laughs> joke there. Uh, <laughs> that's Seinfeld there for those playing along. Um <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but look, uh, yeah, look, well done. It's 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 really good. Look, it is really good to see rugby league players getting these awards as opposed to rugby union players that seem to be always lined up with these connections uh, to get mm. these high level awards. It's really good to see, you know, these kind of blokes get uh, get those awards. Um, so well done, Kevin Sinfield. Uh, I wonder who's – is this – look, who's the next one to get an OBE? I mean, I wonder if there is a uh, – if there's a – is there a debate over there in the UK, uh, a bit like what, what the NRL Immortals, who's going to be the next Immortal? Is there a debate over there? Mm. Is, are, are we looking at, uh, you know, who's who's next that hasn't received one? Um, I can't even think. Who's um, – uh, yeah. Oh well, who knows? Is is one of the Burgess brothers? Is it the Bur- Are we going to see a Burgess, a Burgess uh, foursome winning an OBE all the same year? Potentially, potentially. Or look, I think if uh, if you're talking UK rugby league, uh, then there's only one name that deserves every accolade. In fact, uh, I believe that uh, he should be the next line in succession to become king of the Commonwealth, and that is Blake Austin. Oh, who could forget King Blake? King we need, Blake. We need a King Blake. <laughs> King Blake the first. That's right. That's right. That's Hopefully right. the first of many Blakes. And I heard he is a Catholic, so he's also in line for the Pope. <laughs> is he going to be the man, Blake Austin, to reunify the title belts? I mean, sorry. Uh, is he going to unify the, the church and state? Church and state. Well, there you go. Blake Austin, uh, you know, reversing history. Wow. Reunifying the uh, the great schism of uh, the Church of England, mm. the papacy, and the kingdom. 
uh, yeah. of, of England. Who knows? Um, and, and I believe he will have in his cabinet um, Bishop um, Tuvi to be the <laughs> to, to be the uh, Inquisitor, the Chief Inquisitor, <laughs> the Chief the Investigator. Oh goodness me! And and let's not forget. Let's not forget the the great Alfie Langer, who's going to uh, run in and uh, give him. Uh, he, he's the water boy. Uh, that's right. That's right. The know. communion boy. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> right. right. <laughs> he's he's. Uh, if you see Alfie Langer passing around the collection plate, <laughs> he's just practicing for the big job when King Blake, uh, King God, God King Blake Austin, is uh, reinstated. Uh, Look, well done. We're just going off the rails here, but look. <laughs> yeah, well, speaking of royalty. Right. Okay. Oh, uh, no, here we go. What's, what's the, what is this tenuous link to the next news item? Tish, go for it. Okay, well, uh, Melbourne Storm coach, 2020 Premiership winning coach, Greg Bellamy, he has, uh, he has dressed up as Disney's Princess Elsa, uh, you know, from Frozen. Uh, for Monday's Big Free Seven. So Craig Bellamy gets frozen in a hilarious effort for the Big Freeze, um, which is a fundraiser for Fight MND. So, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, Craig Bellamy turned, uh, you know, dressed up as Princess Elsa, um, and uh, basically he was supposed to go down the slide and, um, you know, land in a uh, in a tub of ice. And uh, by doing so, he's raising money for charity. Unfortunately, he couldn't be there. So he did still dress up in the hilarious outfit. He had gloves. He had the dress. He had a tiara on. Um, it was it's actually quite a sight to see. Oh, um, wow. But because he couldn't actually make it to Melbourne because of lockdown, uh, what he actually did do is that he got um, two ice buckets. You know, remember the ice bucket challenge? Oh, yeah. Two yeah. ice buckets uh, thrown over the top of him in an effort to try and um, – sort of mimic the whole thing. And uh, it's actually quite great to watch when he's doing it because, you know, he's still talking to the seven reporters while I, while I sort of sneak up him and do it. But well done to Craig Bellamy. And, yeah, it's the same cause, uh, which is, uh, yeah, uh, my, you know, motor neuron disease, MND, as Kevin Sinfield, which is qu- quite interesting and, and it, like, or quite ironic, I suppose, or, or coincidental. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is the seventh season where Fight MND has happened during the Queen's birthday, and it's raised over $15 million after a former AFL player, um, Neil Dennehy, you know, uh, I believe he came down with that disease and and started off this charity. So, yeah, we see uh, rugby league coaches and rugby league former players all getting involved in raising money. It's fantastic, right? Wow, that's awesome. And you can always, I mean, I think you, you can still purchase these uh, beanies as well. Is that right? Or is there a separate thing? No. no, no, that's a separate thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm getting ahead of myself there, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of charity uh, charity events. But, you know, look, the Craig Bellamy thing, I mean, look, Google it, everyone, because, uh, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty awesome. I mean, the next TikTok star is Craig Bellamy. <laughs> mm, I think so. Too. Well, the thing is, he's got so much material just from his antics on, uh, <laughs> you know, from the, uh, you know, from his uh, coach's box, right? Like, uh the way he gets angry and frustrated and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, I think he's got. <laughs> I think he's got a lot of material to work on there. Uh, Absolutely. You know? and, and I'm just thinking, Kevin Sinfield and uh, and Craig Bellamy. Uh, you know, that's 
he's kind of like a George Costanza in the way he gets angry, right? So, um, this, he reminds this me work. a bit of actually, he reminds me a bit of Kramer. <laughs> do you think? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, it's so animated. He's just he's a, he's the cranky cranky NRL coach that lives next door. He just <laughs> runs in. He just barges in. He's like, hey, you know, you got a yeah, got a ga- <laughs> got a game for me. There you go. I, th- I think uh, what he should do is because I think he's broken. Uh, I think every season he's broken like three or four chairs by kicking him. Uh, he should start <laughs> autographing them. That's a good idea. <laughs> there should be there should be a Craig Bellamy chair restoration fund. Uh, <laughs> Save the planet. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Look, look, Craig Bellamy and Des Hasler. They, I'll tell you what. They're um. They're they're a boon for carpenters everywhere, aren't they? I mean, they <laughs> certainly certainly give them uh, some some extra work uh, during the NRL season. But um, yeah, that's awesome. So, what's the next? I, I did jump ahead a little bit there. Yeah, that's apologies. Right. What's the next bit, which is about beanies, of course? All right. Well, look. Finally, look. Uh, final piece of news is that look this weekend the NRL. Um, it's the beanie for brain cancers round, um, and uh, you know, so the headline is beanie up the NRL. So, you know, the National Rugby League were pleased to announce that the beanie for, you know, the, this year's uh, NRL beanie round will be held on June 17th uh, to the 20th. Uh, this annual NRL beanie for brain cancer round was um, the brainchild of Matt Callender. I don't know if, it, if that's how he said it, uh, who was working at nine and bravely battling through stage four uh, brain cancer himself. Um and then I believe somebody in Channel 9 actually lost their battle for brain cancer. Um, so Mark Hughes, who also lost his wife to brain cancer, got behind this and um, basically has the Mark Hughes Foundation, which is, um, you know, uh, basically, you know, raising money for brain cancer um, research. And any brain, any beanie that you do buy um, from the NRL.com or from the Mark Hughes Foundation, um, you know, all that money is actually going to go towards raising money for brain cancer. So I know we've had um, sort of, you know, brain-related injuries, uh, you know, Ford Corner retiring, but, you know, it's just, you know, concussions. I know it's not the same thing as brain cancer, but obviously the NRL um, and everybody around the NRL uh, really um, are trying to, um, you know, I suppose raise enough money as they can for any type of research that is, Related to, to both cancer, concussions, MND. So, um, but beanie for brain cancer round. Um, I do love the fact that the NRL d- devotes an entire round every year uh, towards one cause, and I think that's a really good good part. And yeah, if you could support it, um, you know, if you go to the game, you know, uh, wear a beanie, buy a beanie, and if you, um, yeah, even if you're watching at home and you need a beanie, just uh, buy one from the NRL store. You know, from your favorite favorite um, favorite teams team you know the team that you support sort of thing so uh yep. any thoughts there on beanie for brain cancer around there dr t oh look i agree with what you said there tisha i think it's good when we can have a round dedicated to a particular cause and just have that focus for that round i think it's really yeah. excellent we've got a few of these rounds in the nrl season uh which we've had for several years and i think this is one of the ones that um yeah, I mean, given all that's happening, it's uh, it's it's kind of poignant that uh, we kind of have one about a medical condition 
uh, as opposed to other ones which are about, you know, social kind of uh, endeavors as well. So this is a really good one to get behind. And don't forget, you can purchase your beanies uh, in all sorts of places. Um, uh, I think, yeah, places like Codnon, et cetera, have links to the NRL. So they, they kind of take a lot of their stock. So you can, I think you can purchase those from there as well. Um, but well, yeah, you so. Beanie, you could also donate as well. That's right. Yep. So yeah, that's really good. Um, uh, any other news, or are we on to tackle number two? Yeah, let's get into tackle number two, shall we? All right. So tackle number two is the last round review. So here's the wrap for round fourteen. All right. So. Uh, Quick fire. Let's go through. We had a full eight round, uh, eight games this round. Manly flogging the Cowboys fifty points to eighteen. The Sharks upsetting the Panthers nineteen to eighteen. I think a Panthers without a Nathan Cleary as well potentially. Um, Roosters doing it tough. Uh, well, a, a thriller really. Thirty five thirty four against the Titans. Could have been an upset there. Uh, Rabbitohs 24-10 over the Knights. Uh, Raiders are doing it very easily against the Broncos, 38-16. The Storm, 42-16 against the Warriors. The Eels, 40-12 against the Tigers. And the Bulldogs, their second, I think it's their second win of the season against, this time against the Dragons, 28 points to six. It wasn't even close. Uh, it was the Monday, uh, Monday game, the uh, Queen's birthday holiday game. Um, Tish, what are your thoughts about, I guess, uh, you know, the match of the round or, or what are the highlights for you? Yeah, well, look, I'll, I'll leave it to yourself to talk about the Parramatta Tigers game. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, look, <laughs> first thing is like, uh, there's reports that, uh, Corey Norton was told that he wasn't wanted at the Dragons like minutes before the game started. <laughs> That's always a good of, thing. <laughs> it's kind of backfired, right? And then, uh, but look, I've got to say, I, I did see the Sharks, uh, Sharks Panthers game, and um, there was a while there I thought Panthers were going to hold on. Uh, well, Panthers were coming back, and I thought, oh, the Sharks are, are going under here. But Sean Johnson, amazingly, with an amazing 78th minute uh, field goal, actually absolutely puts it away. And then afterwards, asking for a gig, uh, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you know, for you know, because he obviously doesn't have a club to go to next year yet, so. Um, you know, all sorts of reports, but I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And um, you know, so there's some great players in the Sharks, and I feel like they 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 should be doing better than what they're doing. So I, I think that was good. And look, the Panthers second time second game in a row that they've ha- haven't had their big name players, and clearly the uh, you know clearly it's it's difficult for them to turn out victories against other teams when their top players are not playing. I, I think there was seven or eight players out again. So so they really do uh, have some death issues. Although I suppose any club, if you take your eight players away, you are going to struggle. So mm. maybe that's something that they need to think about how they're going to manage if they're going to have long-term success um, as they want to have. Um, so that's probably the highlight. I mean, I know the Titans-Roosters game was also uh, one, of the, one of the comebacks ever. I think the Titans were down by like 28 points to four or something like that. And staged a massive comeback on the way back, but uh, but for me, I think the Sharks and uh, Panthers was a great great game to watch, and uh, yeah, it was it was good to see uh, the Sharks get one. And uh, Panthers uh, that that um, loss 
actually sees him drop to number two on the ladder, which is wow, which is uh, unthinkable considering where we were just a couple of rounds ago. Yeah, I mean they were riding high, they were undefeated, and then what is it? Their second loss of yeah. the season. Um, is it the second loss? Uh, yeah, second loss, two in a row. Unbelievable. And then now all of a sudden the Melbourne uh, Storm are on top. Look, and nothing much has changed in the top five really. We've got, I think, the the Eels and the Rabbitohs are equal kind of fourth, uh, equal third, sorry, um, yeah. third and fourth respectively. And then the Roosters round out the top five. And I think, yeah, look, nothing much has changed there. But I think uh, you, you do have to have a, have a hard look at the Panthers and see, look, they really weren't able to put it together without Cleary. So it's a wonder what um, what the future brings for them. They do obviously rely a lot on Cleary. But look, um, maybe it's too early to tell. Maybe maybe it's good in a way that the Panthers are not front runners anymore because now everyone will be gunning for the Storm as well. I think the mm. Storm have got away with, um, you know, initially they kind of didn't do so well. And then it seems like they've really hit their second gear uh, quite quite clearly since then um but yeah. in that whole time uh everyone was looking at the panthers and yeah. certainly with the way the panthers boys played in state of origin uh the focus will ve- definitely be on them and and their star is rising so yeah look i agree i think um that game with the, the sharks was a particularly good one i'm surprised that the sharks did as well as they did but there you go and i have to say the other the other game is the titans and the roosters i think was um, you know, good quality game as well. And I think uh, obviously the Titans will be very entitled to feel a bit annoyed that they, they got close. Uh, but unfortunately, comeback is only a comeback if you uh, finish the job, <laughs> you know. So unfortunately, they've learned that lesson. But but yeah, I, look, big shout out to the Bulldogs. Um, despite the fact that, yes, they, they were playing against a distracted uh, Dragons lineup, I think the way the Dragons at least started the season, they were entitled to to be kind of raging hot favourites in this game. And the Bulldogs have found a way to win, and not just win, but win convincingly, which is uh, the biggest shock, I think. So well done to the Bulldogs. Um, but, yeah, that's my wrap. Um, I, I agree with you in terms of the uh, the, the highlights of, of the round. I think watch out for Manly as well. I think Manly, um, you know, really put it together and I think that has a lot to do with um, obviously DCE uh, just kind of stamping his authority on the match. Um, yeah. I think they did that. Did they do that without Tommy Turbo? Um, potentially? I'm not sure. I have to look yeah. it up. But yeah, so if that is the case, um, well, DCE, well done. I mean, he's definitely yeah. stepped up to the plate and inspired them to win very, very convincingly. Um yeah. Well, I think Tommy T was injured, but uh, Ron DCE was uh, was rapid. <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's that's good. All right, <laughs> let's move on to tackle number three. Uh, it's our spotlight. Here we go. So spotlight uh, question is, did Peter Volandis help New South Wales win against Queensland? Um, Not the most obvious question to ask in a spotlight, but where is this coming from, Tish? Well, look, we all witnessed Origin and, you know, one week removed, I think a lot of people are thinking, what is happening to Rugby League where 
you know, New South Wales and Queensland, uh, yes, they've been blowouts. Yes, they've been lopsided. But, um, you know, first time New South Wales have ever put on 50 points, I believe, against Queensland. Uh, so kind of kind of an amazing thing. So as we're trying to get our head around it, um, you know, legendary uh, former Magpies coach, um, you know, and, and, you know, and he's probably been a journalist longer than he's been a coach now, but uh, a journalist for the Sydney Morning Herald, Roy Masters uh, posted an article, uh, re- or, you know, last last Sunday, I believe, um, uh, you know, where he basically, uh, you know, just uh, it was called How Peter Volandis Helped the New South Wales Blues Devour Queensland. Um, and it's a very controversial article, of course, just the, just the nature of it. But um, I thought I'd, I'd share some of the key things he said uh, in it, and I thought it might be uh, a good for us to debate uh, just just on what he thinks about it. So so basically, he starts off with saying, "Look, you know, um, you know, momentum has always threatened sport uh, as an out of control beast, but the fifty to six state of origin scoreline on Wednesday demonstrated how it can devour a rugby league game. Um, you know, the rules change changes that was enacted by PVL uh, two years ago. Two years ago, gifted momentum." Are powerful wings, uh, meaning that whenever a strong team plays a weak one, blowouts are just inevitable. Um, so prior to the rules changes um, that were designed to quicken up the game, less skills, less skillful teams can temporarily break the momentum of a stronger opponent by deliberately conceding penalties. However, during uh, COVID last year, um, you know they got rid of uh, you know the ruck and frigid penalties. Um, instead of a penalty, it's a six-again immediate tackle. Obviously, earlier this year, if a team was offside, um, you know, outside their 10-metre corridor, that's also a six-again penalty. I believe if the markers are, you know, not square, that is also a a six-again penalty. So unless a less talented team can deliberately concede penalties for an offence not involving the ruck or the 10-minute defensive line, um, they basically don't have a way to slow down the attacking team when they get on a roll. And this is basically what Roy Masters says costs, uh, you know, it just once New South Wales got on a roll, there's no mechanism in the game to actually shift the momentum back to the other team. So that's basically what he talks about. And he goes into detail about um, the actual game itself, um, some of the statistics around the game and how, you know, Queensland, they did actually try and arrest the momentum, but there's no mechanism in the rules at the moment for you to actually do that. Um, so as he was reading through that, it kind of a thought came to me where, okay, if you are the defensive team, right, how many different ways can you actually get the ball? So how can you gain possession, right? Because possession is always going to stop momentum, right? If the other team is on a roll, if you can get the ball back, uh, even if it's for a set, you're going to slow down, uh, you know, the momentum that's coming from the op- opposition team, right? Well, I counted seven different ways that you <laughs> as a defensive team can actually gain possession of the ball. Um, and then I went on to count the number of ways the attacking team can actually retain possession, right? And when you actually list them out uh, one at a time, and FYI, I put 40, 20, and 20, 40 as, as one. So even though mm. you could say that that's actually two, there's actually 11 uh, different ways that you can actually gain the ball back to retain possession. So, mm. you know, with a game like that where there's not an even 
amount of opportunities to gain the ball as there is an even amount of opportunities to retain possession. Um, I think that's why you're seeing such blowouts, not just in the state of origin, but overall, because, you know, if you are the bigger, faster, stronger, in, in other words, you are the more genetically, uh, you know, fitter team, you are going to win. Um, and, it, yes, it does bring that element of fatigue, but I think it's also removing that element of skill and that element of, you know, gamesmanship or, or you know, the smarts of the game where, you know, the the ability to sort of uh, ruck the ball back or, you know, or to, to win against the feed for a scrum, for example. Like, all those elements have been taken away and as a result, you're left with no no other way, <laughs> like... Uh, like a very few number of ways to actually try and get the ball once the other team has got the ball, which goes back to the unlimited rugby league, you know, unlimited uh, tackles days where basically St. George won 12 for 12 years, <laughs> for more than a decade, there was one team on top. And uh, yeah, so so look, it's an interesting mm. article that Roy Masters um, sort of written. Uh, Dr. T, you know, any thoughts there on what Roy has to say and, and, and what about in terms of, you know, what's happening in terms of the rules and, and how do we get back on track? Um, yeah, look, it's, it's, look, it's an interesting debate that, uh, you know, we, we want, we wanted to have a game that was more free flowing because what we didn't want, uh, and we've spoken about this before as well is, is the stop start, the kind of the, the wrestle, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's fair to say this year there has been hardly any discussion at all about the wrestle and time wasting that way. So I think it's a positive thing when you speed it up uh, a little bit from from where where, where we've seen that uh, occur. The danger is, and as Roy has pointed out and others as well, is that you know it is it's favouring the kind of a momentum style game. Where you know you kind of you roll back um, the defence and and you push push back. You've got fast dummy halves that can get quick meters and all that kind of stuff. And and not only that, but you can push forward. And that then, if if uh, an infringement happens in that tackle, which often happens, there's often a, a, a new set of six. So in immediately, what you're doing is you're punishing. Um, defenders who are a bit, you know, maybe recklessly or slowly trying to get back in the line or whatever. So it's the, you know, on on the one hand, you've got um, the rules are opening up the game, and on the other hand, they're compounding any differences in, within the game between teams and and leading. And I think that's leading to a big blowouts. Is once the teams get on the roll, um, it's very hard to stop them with. With, with those rules uh, because it's speeding up everything. Players are more likely to make reckless tackles and dumb decisions in that environment. And inevitably what that means is that you're conceding a lot more penalties. It'd be interesting to see statistically whether there's been more penalties conceded uh, for certain teams uh, who have, you know, adapted better to the new rules than, than those that have not. Um, be interesting to see if anyone's done some stats out there, or if the NRA wants to release those stats. Because I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of the um, penalties that are given away are from the team that's on the back foot and and probably losing quite handsomely on on the scoreboard. So, look, um, 
look, there's a lot that that uh, Roy Masters went into in that uh, in that article. Suffice it to say that look, it's a it's a bit of an ongoing debate. I think uh, whether the rule changes have you know is it worth having. Um, yeah, I guess it boils down to the fundamental question, Tish, which I'll, I'll throw back to you and, and see what your thoughts are. You know, is it better to have a close game or is it better to have a fast game, um, an open style game? Because it seems like you can't have both. <laughs> and it's a very fine balance. And it looks like we've tipped the balance more towards an open, free-flowing game, which seems more entertaining, but unfortunately... For half the crowd, it won't be if your team is on the receiving end of a, a massive flogging. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll throw that back to you because I think that's what fundamentally this comes down to. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, do you prefer the close games, the manufactured artificially kind of close games with, you know, more defense-oriented, that kind of thing, which we, we saw in the 80s as well with my beloved Eels obviously took advantage of that? Or do we want to see the more open style and, and the risk that, that that entails, which is, you know, more blowouts. What are your thoughts? Well, look, um, I th- yeah, well, I, I, I definitely prefer a game that is a lot closer. Um, now, look, I am the Rustin on fan. So, um, <laughs> you know, obviously I, I like defense, I like attack, I like, you know, the cleverness of players and so forth. But I think overall that is actually what makes the product good because, um, you know, the players get... You know, it, it's you get different body shapes of players and different styles of players and so forth. If you have a game that is, um, you know, that that can uh, that is maybe a bit slower, but you know, allows for for more tactics and strategy. And there, I, I feel like the strategy is going away a bit just for finesse and speed. And you know, um, if I wanted to watch, um, you know, hundred meter sprints. <laughs> I would, uh, you know, I'd watch, I'd watch the Olympic Games for 100 meters, right? But you know, you get, you get bored after that, you know. Mm. Um, whereas if you watch a contest between, you know, two teams um, putting their body on line, giving it a go on either end, and it's almost like, um, you know, somebody once described it to me like, uh, you know, back in the five meter days, it was like, uh, it was like, uh, you know, uh, two two trenches sort of, uh, you know, trying to pull one way or the other, a bit like a bit of a tug of war between both sides. Now, it doesn't have to get that extreme, but I think it needs to have that type of element where, you know, you guys get six and we get six and you guys get six and we get six and let's see, you know, who in the end um, can, can out, uh, not just out uh, muscle, but also outwit each other sort of thing. Um, I really think... I mean, a lot of people don't talk about this, um, and maybe I'm the only person talking about this, but I think, you know, one of the things that uh, that happens a lot now is that you see uh, the attacking team play the ball like just no respect for playing the ball, right? You do see uh, teams dropping, the, you know, guys dropping the ball, um, you know, sort of or loose carries sort of thing, and then, you know, that's one way like where, where the defense can get the ball back. But, you know, unless it's an... A for, unforced error by the attacking team. You don't actually see, uh, you know, you see a lot of sloppy play the balls that just get don't even get picked up, right? Um, yeah. But back in the day when there was striking allowed by the marker to actually get the ball back uh, and even the hook back and things like that, um, you know, it meant that all the play the balls had to be done the way they were done. You know, foot on the ball, 
Because if you don't have the foot on ball, then you know the marker's going to have the foot on his ball, pulling it back his way, right? Um, and you know, like like that type of contest is actually the kind of thing that once you've taken that away, then teams look for other ways to try and get the ball, and they start pointing their hand on the ball, and they start doing all these type of craziness. And it, I believe it's been basically an avalanche since they uh, – now, that happened in 92 or 93 or whatever, but when they got rid of being able to strike at the ball as a marker, um, the play the ball was compromised, which is – the play the ball is the unique – aspect to rugby league you know scrums are in rugby union kicking is in soccer and afl uh you know but the uniqueness to the sport is the position of five eighth and the play the ball and once you missed once you stuffed it up dr t it's never going to go back it's never going to be the same that and that's what they did they 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 uh they basically made it a one-sided contest when really it's supposed to be a fair contest between you know, two sets of markers, the offensive and defensive markers. And mm. once they got rid of that fundamental, yeah, you know, the wall of Pompeii came crumbling down. <laughs> I don't know if that's what happened. But, yeah, you, know, you get what I'm saying. But, but yeah, 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 look, I, I think, yeah, but, but we've talked about this as before. As you sort of, uh, you know, change more rules up, there's more unintended consequences. But, but yeah, I think if they just went back, yeah, I don't know. It's probably not going to happen. But look, I, I, Roy Masters is a fair point. Unless they do actually go back to changing the rules, maybe get you know, maybe not policing the set of sixes the way they do at the moment. I, I think that there needs to be a bit of a backtrack because at the moment, the product that, that is being released is not something that is enjoyable mm. um, to watch, in my opinion. All right, let's move on to tackle <laughs> number four. Here we go. Tackle number four, big uh, look, a big news item, but a bit of a discussion point. Women's Rugby League in the NRL has expanded this year or is set to expand. So the NRL is set to introduce a, um, a six-team NRLW competition. Uh, they announced it last Friday. So what happens is we've got, unfortunately, the, withdraw- the withdrawal of the Warriors uh, for next season. Um and, uh, however, we've introduced, obviously for obvious reasons, COVID affected, and the introduction of three new teams, the Eels, the Knights, and the Titans, this season. And uh, basically, we've now got six teams. So there'll be the Roosters, the Broncos, the Dragons, and the Eels, Knights, and Titans with the new teams. Um, it's going to be a seven-week competition. It's going to start in round 23 of the NRL season. The grand final will be played on the same day as the NRL grand final, as uh, we've done, I think, for the last couple of seasons, uh, which makes it more of a gala event and, and more meaningful as well, which is really great. Those new two new clubs um, has now raised a number of matches from 7 to 18. So now wow. each team will play each other once, Predominantly in double headers with NRL matches, with the top four playing off in the semi-finals, uh, and then the uh, the the league will be expanded again to eight teams in 2022, with the Warriors expected to return to the competition, and I believe another another team which is yet to be announced. So, well done to the NRLW, obviously showing that there is a market here 
for women's rugby league at the highest level here in Australia. Um, and to be associated with the NRL brand, obviously, is a no-brainer. They're doing a great job promoting the game, uh, promoting the great female stars of the NRLW. But look, Tish, the reason why I raise this is that, first of all, it's great news that the women's game is expanding. It's Obviously, the NRL is doing it slowly. We're not just sort of jumping in with, um, you know, a massive amount of teams and for it to be unsustainable. It's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting getting the success initially and then expanding more games, more teams uh, and, you know, a longer season, which is exactly the right way. I think they're doing it the right way. So I'll get your quick thoughts on that and then I want to uh, dovetail to something else. So yeah, well, what are your thoughts on, on the expansion? Yeah, are these well, the right clubs? Are the Tigers? Why aren't the Tigers there? <laughs> yeah, well, Tigeress is Dr. T. Right? Oh, right. Tigeress Sorry. Tigeress is there. Um, yep. Well, maybe it's it's because of that, you know. So um, you still have a team called the Sydney Roosters uh, representing women. Um, <laughs> which which yeah. doesn't make sense. But now that I think about it, you're right. What, what happened to the hens? <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, so so look, uh, yeah, look. Other other than than that type of um, bigotry, I don't know if that's everything. So whatever that is, misogyny. <laughs> yeah, in the NRLW team names. Well, look, I think the Roosters they've won like them last. Well, you know, uh, they've won every competition so far. So hopefully they'll have more competition. But it's good to see the women's game expanding. And um, yeah, let let let's. Hope. Hope that uh, no, I think it's been Brisbane. No, it's actually been Brisbane winning every year, playing the Roosters, right? Something like that. Yeah, so, no, it's really the Brisbane yeah. Broncos that are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not the Roosters. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's hope they mix it mix it up as well a little bit. Um, uh, you know, this might you know result in in another team getting up, which would be fantastic. And and let's hope the Warriors can can return in twenty twenty two bigger, stronger, faster. And and yeah, look, as long as the two teams are allowed to strike at the ball. In the <laughs> main ball, thing. Yeah. I'm happy, you know. Fair enough. And look, look, the NRL obviously with this uh, historic announcement, you might think history has been made. But Tish, before we wrap up this tackle, I need to remind people, and I didn't know this. Uh, it was brought to my attention via the interwebs that actually a hundred years ago, in 1921. Uh, Women's Rugby League has had already kicked off uh, in in Sydney. So, yes, that's right. Uh, the pioneers of the female version of the game go all the way back to the 1920s in Australia. In May 1921, two young women from North Sydney, Molly Kane and Nellie Doherty, wrote a letter to the New South Wales Rugby League requesting its assistance to create a Women's Rugby League competition uh they their letter outlined the success of women's soccer in england and france and argued that this would translate to similar success in sydney on may 23rd just a few days after they received the letter the new south wales rugby league committee determined the timing was unsuitable for them to assist the ladies however um further um, committee uh meetings occurred uh on May 26, so three days after that, the committee had made a complete change of heart and agreed to provide the ladies with all the assistance they required to form clubs and a competition. I think there's a there's a PhD in history there about how in three days <laughs> the NRL 
or the, or the New South Wales Rugby League, as it was known then, um, completely changed its mind <laughs> about, um, you know, uh, mm. helping helping this uh, get this uh, competition off the ground. Anyway, there's a lot of to and froing, and as it turns out, on September 17 in 1921, a women's match did take place. Um, there were no other matches being played on the day. They were they played it at the uh, I believe it was at the agricultural ground in Sydney. Um, there was a uh, what was the other oh that's right the great Delhi Messenger defied the New South Wales Rugby League by putting on a kicking exhibition to promote his new football during the halftime break. I mean, and he had a new ball. That's yeah. right, he had a new ball. Um, <laughs> that's what. <laughs> That's, that's what it says here. I'm just going off what it says on the internet, mate. Um, look, the important thing is that this game was played between the Metropolitan's Blues and the Sydney Reds. Uh, and there's a lineup there that I can see, the captains. Uh, so I think that one of the, the ladies that, that wrote the letter, Nellie Doherty, was the captain of the Blues. And I think the captain of the Reds was uh, G. Hoskins, which... Uh, it was no, it was not the other lady. Um, but look, and we the important thing want. is, there was a crowd. Now I don't know anything about that. I have to look it up. Um, okay. I do know that a crowd of twenty thousand people flocked to the agricultural ground to witness this historic game. So look, I guess the main thing here is that there is there is a precedent here. Uh, well, actually, no, let me have a look. I, I did actually find it's on the NRL website. Actually, Metropolitan won twenty-one to eleven, wow. and uh, someone by the name of Maloney uh, what was her name. Uh, didn't don't say her first name. Jeanette Maloney. Was it Jeanette Maloney? <laughs> Where did you find? No, it's an it's M Maloney. Okay, all right. Okay. M Maloney. I'm not sure what the name, the first name is, but scored four tries. So four try heroine. For Metropolitan twenty one over Sydney eleven, and uh, and yeah, look, the big uh, look, hundred years ago. Mm. <laughs> it's important to keep that in mind. Is that sometimes this happens that we talk about historic events happening in in the game, uh, and we forget that. Uh, look, it's worth looking at the history, isn't it? Um, Because if you don't look at the history, you tend to think that everything you're doing now is the first time that it's ever been tried. And the reality Mm. is for a women's game to be up 100 years ago, given the totally different nature of of Western society at this point um, is compared to what it is today, is really a huge, huge achievement. And even if it was just a one-off game, it didn't really amount to a league or a comp- or an ongoing competition, the fact that it took place was, and that many people went to see it was just unbelievable. So um, speaking of history, this is a good segue to our tackle number five. Tish, you've got a bit of a story looking back in history. Now, why would we be looking back in history? Well, look, uh, this uh, you know, this Monday we we had a public holiday in Australia for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II, 
It was actually her birthday celebration, which we celebrate in June, even though she's born in April. Um, because <laughs> As you do. That's, that, that's what we do in a Commonwealth, I suppose. But, but I believe this actually uh, coincides with Queen Victoria's birthday and they've just kind of kept it at the same time. But anyway, I thought, you know, it's rugby league. It's 1926 was when the Queen was born. You know, why don't we have a look back into rugby league into 1926 and see what was happening around the birth of, um, you know, the Queen, our dear old Queen, uh, Queen Elizabeth II. During her birth, what was happening in the world of rugby league? So I found a newspaper article, Dr. T, from the Rugby League News uh, from August 28th, 1926. This is the Sydney edition. So I'd just like to go through some of the articles, uh, just just give you a, a bit of an idea of what was happening in the world of Rugby League in 1926. Are, are you ready there, Dr. T? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, well, first thing is um, on top of it in big font is Dawson's Whiskey on page one. Um, which uh, I don't think exists anymore. So if anybody has um, some Dawson's whiskey out there, don't know how much it's worth, but uh, have a look. But look, a thrilling climax to a to cap a prosperous season is the title. So the growing interest in a knockout semifinals, you know, head bodies innovation welcomed. So the widespread interest manifested in the thrilling struggles for the knockout premiership rounds is an eloquent tribute to the rugby league's innovation this season. So under the old conditions governing the premiership matches, South Sydney would have been declared home and dried weeks ago. But under the new scheme, whereby a premier team must prove its superiority over all comers, any one of the four teams may be returned as premiers and holders of the Truth and Sportsman Cup of the 1926. So basically, this is the year where grand finals became mandatory and they moved to seven rounds, and it was a great success um, and brought great prosperity. So interesting little article there. Then we move on to Mm. page two. Page two has another sponsor of Tooth's KB Lager, from uh, the Kent Brewing in Sydney. Um, and then safety first say Johnny Walker. Okay, so that's what Johnny Walker used mm. to say. And, um, yeah, so the North Coast showed a considerable promise against Glebe uh, to pivot uh, of the backs and win Georgie with the Eastern Southerners in fighting South Sydney for Laurels. So I believe this must be some sort of junior grades. So uh, very interesting what's happening there. Then we move to page three, and uh, you want to believe who the sponsor for 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 number three is, there, Doctor. Can you have a guess who is the lead sponsor for page three? Uh, look, it's not Winfield, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's Scotch whiskey. All oh, right. Oh God. <laughs> so, Jeez. So, we were obsessed with whiskey back in the twenties, weren't we? <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And look, um, there's also another one, um, you know, made in Australia, stands wear guaranteed Australia, clothes, hats and shirts and hosiery, sir, you know, serviceable dresses, which is fantastic. Uh, and then there's an article about the 1926 gold medals from Awkwards Lit- uh, Limited. So Awkwards Limited, the well-known jewelers of Railway Square, Sydney, 
who were successful tenders for the New South Wales Rugby League gold medals for all premiership grades, President's Cups, school competitions, have established themselves as the premier medal house of Sydney. So, yeah, Orcas Limited was the company that won the tender to have the gold medal. So I think all the players got gold medals as it was, um, you know, for you know for winning the premiership. Mm. I believe they get a championship ring now. Um, and yet, look, yet another alcohol sponsor on page four, the old-timers, <laughs> Stag Lager, <laughs> right? Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, and then on the final page, we have Brandy as as well uh, <laughs> with some other results. And then uh, finally, we end off with wine is good, the older the better, Penfold's the best. Wow. Um, and Johnny Walker finishes off. it. Johnny Walker, it's the purity and maturity that tells. So, yeah, there you go. A bit into the uh, into the old days of, uh, of of rugby league there, Dr. T. Uh, anything stands out out of of everything that I've mentioned there oh look it's it's quite obvious we were obsessed with uh, whiskey back then (laughs) um, which surprises me because I thought if anything we'd be more of a beer beer related um, you know beer supported game Um, I think there's you know potentially there's been missed opportunities in in the marketing of this game with with a whiskey kind of uh, focus. Um, now, look, obviously, in all seriousness, this uh, we don't have uh, alcohol or <laughs> or a cigarette advertising anymore in the game. So, you know, definitely, definitely, there have been changes, grand changes in in uh, you know in society, really. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting. The the kinds of um, if you look at the the, the kinds of uh, companies that are sponsoring the game um the changes compared to what 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 we used to have having said that you know it isn't like as if everything is all um health and uh you know fitness and sort of clean living uh we do have obviously the you know in the commentary in the games we do have the kfc try review (laughs) sponsoring so you know like we do have sort of elements of uh the junk food and all that kind of stuff so i I guess that's no different but look yeah yeah, look that was a good blast from the past at the moment dr t is macca's thursday night with kfc video (laughs) right and i think the cronulla are sponsored by southern comfort so as much as things change they kind of stay the same right are they? No, they're not sponsored by Southern Comfort. Yeah, the cast are sponsored by by. by uh, isn't it Southern Radiology? No, no, no. It's Southern Comfort. The the Sharks are sponsored by Southern Comfort. I think it's their side jersey. Um, is, is it actually, really? Yeah, yeah. It's one of the achievements by um, their brand ambassador Paul Gallon. Wow. Well, here I am thinking that they tried to stamp out alcohol. <laughs> advertising in the game. How did they get away with that? Well, you got to remember the uh, the other. T- uh, sorry, you got to remember. It's the, it, I believe it's still the Forex uh, Maroons, isn't it? Oh yeah, no, you could be right. Yeah. Oh look, I, no, I understand that. I just thought they were trying to discourage that, but yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, I guess that explains their performance in game one. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not the uh, what was it the the uh, the other scotch you know or the stag, stag the stag um, stag lager 
Um, look, yeah, look, that's a great blast from the past. I think we need to do more of those, Tish. I think there are yeah. some very interesting uh, stories from the past uh, that we uh, we need to dig up and, and sort of remind ourselves of how things have changed. Um, yeah. well, well, and we'll continue that, to do that. I mean, do have is a guide like how to get to each ground, which um, I might reveal it in another episode how, you know, what were the suggested um, – the suggested way to get to Birchgrove Oval and things like that. So, yeah. Oh, that would be great to see. I mean, you know, what kinds of directions would you see? It's like, you know, ride your horse until you see that big pile of manure on the hill <laughs> and then chuck a left and you're almost there. I mean, you know, whereas nowadays it's it's just, you know, stick it in your GPS and, <laughs> you know, away you go. Look, thanks for the blast from the past, Tish, but it's time for the future. It's tipping time. So here we go. Round or tackle number six, our round 15 tips. Here we go. All right. So last week I got five out of eight and you got six out of eight, which takes me to 69 and you to 62. You're catching up slowly but surely there, Tish. Uh, breathing down my neck there. Let's do the tips very, very quickly. Broncos versus Rabbitohs, the Thursday night game. My tip is the Rabbitohs. Tipping the Rabbitohs as well. All right. Cowboys v. Sharks. Um, Cowboys are at home, but I think the Sharks will win this one. I'm going to tip the Cowboys to bounce back from their embarrassment last week. Wow. Um, look, close to top of the table clash, not quite. Uh, Panthers v. Roosters. I think the Panthers will win uh, this battle, the Freddie Fittler Cup. Yeah, I think the Panthers will win too. I believe they've got all their origin players back. Knights versus Warriors. Um, I think the Warriors will bounce back after a smashing at the hands of the Storm. Yeah, I'm going to tip uh, Newcastle in this one. I believe that Mitchell Pearce has been selected. Okay. That's brave. Um, <laughs> uh, Dragons v Raiders. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the Raiders will put them to the sword. Yeah, two teams that have been in turmoil this year, but I think the Raiders are coming out of it while the Dragons are putting themselves in it. Storm versus Tigers. I know what you're going to do, and I'm going to stick with you. I'm tipping an upset. I'm tipping the Tigers will win this one. Well, look, I'm going to tip the Tigers too. We have Ken Marmolo debuting for us. Um, you know, the Marshmallow Man, he scored three tries uh, against Melbourne last week. So let's hope he do it, does it again. <laughs> uh, Titans versus Manly. So this is the uh, DCE Cup. Uh, actually, the DCE Flip Cup. Um, <laughs> I'm picking the Titans because I think... Uh, I think something is brewing. I think the Titans showed they're on uh, the improve, and I think they'll ambush Manly. Yeah. Look, I think, um, yeah, as I said, I think Run DCE and Tommy T <laughs> are going to hit another record and uh, take the Titans for a spin. So I'm tipping Manly here. And Eels v Bulldogs, uh, both teams off, of, off a good win last round, but I think the Eels have been doing much better this year, and... I think the manner in which they dismantled the Tigers, especially then on their right-hand defence. Um, Mitchell Moses is uh, on a high. Um, I think he's been put on report, so hopefully he's not. Um, he's beat that charge. I don't think it was that big a deal. but Maybe you're um, on too much of a high. 
That's right. Let me let's assume that he's uh, good to go. In and if he is, I think they'll win and win handsomely. So eels for mine. Yeah. Well, look, Sunday afternoon, the Eels versus the Bulldogs. Uh, wow. Both <laughs> Not teams... refereed by Tony Archer, so we should be safe. <laughs> yeah. Both teams coming off a victory too, and you know what? Let's just go out for it. Let's go for the dogs. I need a precaution to the week. Oh no! How could you? <laughs> yeah. Trent Barrett did say, you know what? They've got plenty of improvement still left in them. And you know what, Trent? I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, the I best believe the, the truest statement he's made all year. Uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a great win, but we still got lots of improvement in us. Of course, you do. <laughs> no, they played a perfect game. Uh, look, well done. And, yeah, look, that's the tips for this week. And that's a podcast. It's been a big one. We've gone back in history. We've looked at the future. We've done everything in between. Uh, enjoy your football, everyone. And, obviously, we did mention earlier, it is uh, the the NRL beanies for cancer round, round 15. Uh, big ones to go out there and support that cause. Tish, over to you to wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T, and I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all for this episode of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.